So it's Matthew 7, verses 13 to 29. Enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. But small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. Watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. By their fruit, you will recognize them. Do people pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Likewise, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, by their fruit, you will recognize them. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and in your name perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like the wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house. Yet it did not fall because it had its foundations on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. When Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching, because he taught as one who had authority and not as their teachers of the law. One of the ways that you often hear Jesus describes is that people will say that he was a great moral teacher. Uh, you hear that a fair bit. I think that there are people out there today who would still want to say the same thing. They'll put Jesus in the same category as uh, perhaps uh, Buddha, uh, maybe the Dalai Lama or, or Gandhi. That They said wonderful things and things that you could kind of put into practice in your life. But when people say that, they want, to acknowledge, they want to acknowledge that Jesus said some nice things and had some good suggestions. It's kind of as if Jesus came to just give us a few tips on living. But the only way that you could get that impression about Jesus is if you'd never really read what he said. Because this is not tips for living. This is significant demands that Jesus makes and especially in this passage that we're looking at today. Jesus didn't come with some tips for self-improvement. He didn't offer a couple of tweaks that you could make to, to get your life running a little bit better. Jesus came saying, you have to make a radical choice. Follow me or you're destined for destruction. And in these closing words of the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus presents those choices with three images. Choose a road, choose a, choose a tree, or choose a building. And it starts with a road there in verse number 13. Enter through the narrow gate, 
for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction and many will enter through it. But small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life and only a few find it. Jesus says there are two roads to choose from. One is easier than the other, easier to get onto, easier to travel on, and it'll be the one where most people are travelling, so it'll make it even more appealing to be on that road. But that's not the road for you to choose, and that's not how you choose roads. You choose the road according to the destination. Where are you heading? If I want to go to Dremoyne, I won't go over the Anzac Bridge. I mean, I love the Anzac Bridge. I think it's a stunning-looking bridge, and you get fantastic views when you're on the top of it, but it doesn't take you anywhere near Dremoyne. So you choose your road by your destination, and unfortunately you have to drive across that little bit of whatever it is that they've tacked onto the side of the Iron Cove Bridge. Jesus says two roads with very different destinations. One that leads to destruction and one that leads to life. Now you think to yourself, well surely no one's going to choose the one that leads to destruction. But again, people won't make the decision because of the destination. They'll make short-sighted decisions. It'll have the widest gate. It'll be the easiest road to travel on. And everyone else is going to be on that one. Short-term decisions most comfortable decisions for here and now. But the other thing to notice is there are only two paths, the right one and the wrong one. So Jesus' choice number one is which road are you going to take? Next is a tree. Jesus says that we have to choose our teachers, those that we're going to listen to, the people that we will trust. you find it there in verse 15, and let me read it for you. Watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they're ferocious wolves. By their fruit you will recognise them. Do people pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Likewise, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, by their fruit, you will recognise them. False teachers, that is, as he says at the beginning. It's a bit depressing, isn't it, that even before the church has got up and running, Jesus is already warning them about the potential of false teachers infiltrating, giving a kind of Jesus-shaped message, or it sort of looks like that, but it's not the truth about Jesus. And it's amazing how many times in the pages of the New Testament we read about false teachers and false teaching. They'll come teaching things that are contrary to the Bible, contrary to who Jesus is. They'll try to get people to follow them. Some will be false teachers who are in it for the money. Some will be in it for the power and the influence. And some will do it because they think they are speaking the truth. And the difficult thing about false teachers is that the message will never be completely wrong. There'll be just enough of what sounds right and sounds believable in there. They won't appear to be evil people. If they did, no one would follow them. 
and they'll be convincing, persuasive in what they say. They're around today and you need to keep your eye out. You can assess the teachers by those two things. Do they preach the truth about Jesus? Does it conform with what the Bible says? And does their life back up what they're teaching as well? Many false teachers today will mix a little bit of Jesus in there with what they've got to say, but normally they have other things that are of significant or greater importance, special experiences that you need to have, special gifts that you need to possess, special teaching about end times or, or literature uh, that you really need to read. And above all, they will tell you that you must join their group because theirs is the only one with the truth. Jesus says that he is the way and the truth and the life and anyone who's trying to sell you a Jesus plus message, well, you need to stay right away from that one. Wolves in sheep's clothing. It's sad, but we even need to weigh up the people we hear preaching here. Make sure that they're telling you the truth about who Jesus is. False teachers can be very convincing they can appear to be spiritual and godly in the things that they say. But you'll see what the, what the truth of it is by the fruit in their lives. What does their life look like? How are they living? What kind of people are they? Do they live out what they're teaching others in their own lives? Or does their lifestyle seem to be just a little bit at odds with what they're standing up and preaching? Do they seem to be more interested in money or influence or power than they are in the truth about Jesus? Teachers, any teachers need to be assessed by two things. Do they promote the truth about Jesus and do they live out kingdom values in their own life, in the way that they handle their life, in the way that they handle their money? Jesus reinforces this image uh, with uh, one that always gives me a little bit of a hollow feeling inside. Have a look at verse 21. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and perform miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. It's a disturbing thought, isn't it? To be standing before Jesus on the last day and Jesus saying, I don't know you. See, this fits exactly what he's just said about the false teachers. There will be people who will stand before Jesus on the last day, thinking they're in, thinking that they've done what was required. People who prophesied, drove out demons, did miracles in Jesus' name. But they're not. They won't be welcomed in. Why? Where did they go wrong? The answer's really simple, isn't it? It's what Jesus says. I never knew you. Sure, they may have, been, uh, may have done religious things. They may have been... They may have even been on plenty of rosters and did lots of good things. But the fact is, they never knew Jesus and he never knew them. They never had that 
personal relationship with Jesus. Now don't misunderstand. Jesus is not saying, oh, there was some little extra thing and you just forgot to do it. He's not saying there's some secret or some trick to entering into the kingdom and you didn't figure it out. He's saying at at the most basic level of what it means to be a Christian, you got it wrong. They thought that being part of the kingdom was about what you did, but it isn't. It's about who you know. It's about knowing Jesus, a personal relationship with him, having that, that trust in him. In John's Gospel, there's an incident where some people come uh, to ask about the work that God requires, and this is what Jesus says. Then they asked him, what must we do to do the works God requires? And Jesus answered, the work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. And even the best known, in the, known verse in the whole Bible says the same thing, doesn't it? For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. What counts is believing in Jesus. What counts is knowing Jesus. What counts is that personal relationship with him, a trust and dependence upon Jesus. Jesus closes the Sermon on the Mount with that graphic illustration of uh, people building. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the wind blew and beat against that house. Yet it did not fall, because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against the house, and it fell with a great crash. You can kind of picture it, can't you? Two houses side by side, they kind of look pretty similar. Hard to pick what the difference is because you can't see the foundation. But one's on a foundation of rock and the other is on a foundation of sand. Went searching to see if I could find two houses side by side. I couldn't, but I found this, which is pretty disturbing. A block of apartments that were being built in China, uh, just, one of them just fell over. Talk about no foundation, just sitting there on top of the dirt until whatever it was that happened, it just, people, it wasn't occupied, no one had moved in yet, but how would you feel about moving into one of those other two blocks? You'd be kind of thinking, no, I think I'm all right where I am at the moment, thank you. But Jesus says, two houses. I'm sure if you, had the house, if you saw the houses before the storm, you might, have, might not have been able to pick the difference. But when the storm came, the difference was glaring. Jesus isn't talking about buildings or methods of construction. He's talking about your life and mine. He's talking about his word. Are you willing to build your life on what he has to say? I love the way that the Sermon on the Mount finishes, just those two verses at the end of chapter 7. People are astounded by what Jesus says. They walk away clearly knowing that there is a choice that has to be made. They wouldn't have walked away and thought, well, there's a couple of tips to improve my life. 
They wouldn't have got that out of it, would they? And the same choice is here today. The question is not, am I good enough to enter into the kingdom? Because you aren't. And the question is not, can I work hard enough to win God's favour? No, you can't. And the question is not, have I got the strength to do all of these things? Well, no, you don't. The question is, do I trust Jesus? Do I know Jesus? Do I have a relationship with him? And if you do trust in Jesus and you are building your life on him and his words, then that's what Jesus wants. Is the choice going to be easy? Well, Jesus says, no, it won't be an easy choice to make. Jesus never promises that following him will be easy. The path will be narrow, more narrow than the alternative. There'll be less people travelling on that path. If you think that you might still be on that wide road, then can I ask you, are you sure that's where you want to head? Because it appears to be the easiest way, that doesn't make it the right one to travel on. Have you thought about where that road is taking you? See, Jesus is offering life, eternal life, for those who believe in him. He's not saying, here's the easy choice. He says following him will be on the narrow road, less people on that one, and there'll be plenty of people who are telling you that you're going the wrong way. If you're here today as someone who's on that wide road, Jesus is saying, it's time to change. Don't wait any longer. Choose life. But if you're on that narrow road, keep remembering you've made a radical choice. We'll be tempted to try and find a middle road, something that's a little closer to that other road. We may even feel the temptation to switch roads. But if you've placed your trust in Jesus as your Lord and Saviour, if you can say that you know him and he knows you, then it's a radical choice that you've made. But it's the right choice. It's a wonderful choice. Jesus says that you're headed for life. Jesus says that you have a treasure in store for you in heaven. Jesus says that yours is the kingdom of heaven. It may be a narrow road, but it's plenty wide enough to get you where you're going. And it may be the road with the least people travelling on it, but you won't be alone. In fact, you're sitting here today with a bunch of fellow travellers. And we're here to encourage each other as we make our way in that journey.